Hey there, welcome to Film Streak. It's another episode, and if you're new to this, you're just checking this out. Uh, my name is Rob, and what I do is I just talk about new movies that I've watched. Not just new releases, it's, it's just going to be stuff that I've never seen before. And I've seen a lot of movies. I've got uh, plenty of movies in my personal collection, uh, whether that's, you know, the good old physical media. I've got stacks or, or shelves of DVDs and Blu-rays and 4Ks and all that, right? Then I've also got, I think I've got like almost every streaming service right now. I, You know, if you pay attention, if you look close enough, you just kind of keep an eye, you can get those good deals and keep your costs of having all the streaming services relatively low, especially compared to like cable TV, where you still have to watch whatever is being programmed instead of what you want to watch when you want to watch it. So for me, it's already a win. I can put on something. I can stop it. I can start it over. I can switch to something else, you know, and the selection is pretty wide. When you combine Hulu and Amazon Prime and Apple TV and Netflix and Max or uh, Criterion Channel, all those others. Plus, hey, don't forget, I mentioned in other episodes, there's a service called Canopy, which is actually really useful. You can stream movies for free, commercial free, uh, unedited, and all you need is a public library card. So use that. You can find some mainstream films there, but you can also find rare, obscure stuff that you wouldn't even think would have made it to streaming, but it is available sometimes. So that's a good one to check out. If you're just looking at, uh, this all costs too much. I get it. So check out Canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y. Then there are some other free ad supported platforms, streaming services, whatever. So I, you know, maybe those are good too. If you don't mind a few commercials here and there, but otherwise, yeah, I've seen a lot of films and, uh, that's what I try to do here is, is really look at some stuff that I've never seen before, kind of expand the horizons, go maybe outside of my comfort zone and uh, watch more than just good old favorites. All that said, this episode, I wanted to focus on a particular corner of cinema that, uh, you know, I'll just say this. These comic book movies, they're, they're getting out of hand, right? It's too much. And honestly, I've been feeling like that for a long time. And uh, I really thought, here's how far back I thought that. When that Watchmen movie came out, which I think was like 2009. And I really thought even then, I'm like, okay, this is where things might take a turn where we would see this whole genre start to kind of eat itself in a way because it does deconstruct a lot of the plots and the characters of what make these things, what makes them appealing, but also where the trouble spots are, you know? And no, I, Watchmen didn't really do that. I think it at least acknowledged and tried to give us a rendition of the original comic book, but that movie had so much style and craft in it that it actually, I think, launched everything to another level. And a big part of that is probably Zack Snyder, because I think uh, him doing that led us to not only a much bigger and more elaborate 
version of DC and their films. But I think it forced maybe, you know, the Marvel camp and, and the other stories that were out there to really step it up a notch. I find myself kind of looking at this landscape of these films and these stories and seeing, like, not only has it gotten more complex and more, uh, in some ways, more sophisticated, but with all of that has come a lot of garbage. And I don't mean garbage like as in bad work. I just mean, well, you know what? Let's just talk about it. Let's get into some of these films. All right, first up, Film Street 271, Black Adam. My son sacrificed his life to save me. These powers are not a gift, but a curse. Born out of rage. This loose cannon needs to be locked down before innocent people start getting hurt. He's been asleep for 5,000 years. You find us a cell that can hold him, we'll take care of the rest. Who's on the team? I didn't bring a passport. We don't need passports. We're the Justice Society. There's a war going on outside. We ain't safe from Black Adam. We're here to negotiate your peaceful surrender. Heard about at least three killings this afternoon. I'm not peaceful. Nor do I surrender. Here we go. I kneel before no one. You didn't come here to seek justice. You came to exact revenge. I never said I was a hero. You believe you are not worthy, but fate does not make mistakes. You have two paths. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its savior. Now, this, first of all, is a film that is about a character and a story that as a, as a very, I wouldn't even say casual comic book fan, reader, whatever. I mean, I'm really just not that engaged or entrenched or, or, or involved with comic book storylines and characters like this. And it's not because um, I didn't pay attention to it or didn't care for it. I, I just didn't, I had no awareness. Like this, this whole thing, I didn't even realize this was connected to Shazam, but seeing how this film 
plays out, the story, a lot of it just seems unnecessary. And I think for me, this is probably where the biggest indication of uh, just how overextended, how, how broken this model of the DC universe and all that had become. Maybe you follow these kinds of films and not, not necessarily the comics, but at least the film uh, counterparts. I think it seemed uh, once you got past man of steel, which was now 10 years ago, I think once you get past that and you start to see Batman versus Superman, you see um, what came after that. Uh, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Aquaman. I think that was my first indication. Like, there's a problem here because these stories, these characters even, don't all line up in the way that I think they're intended to. And sure, there were some uh, cross-references and some Easter eggs and stuff, but when it all finally did come together in the original, I guess the theatrical version of justice league, that's where you really got to see all the problems. And, you know, I can't even say that's a matter of the filmmakers or the storylines. I think it's a matter of here. Here's where I feel like the evidence of kind of corporate oversight or corporate steering of this whole thing really got out of hand. Because it does feel like at that point, oh, it's not so much about people who love these characters and love these stories wanting to make these things. It's about what kind of money can these things bring in, regardless of the quality or or the the experience of it all. And so here's where I, I think if you look at the comparison with DC films and this whole franchise versus the Marvel stuff, you know, that first film of Iron Man that was 2008, that was successful in its own right. But as a launching point for everything that came after, like, I don't think anybody expected that that film was going to be the one that launched this massive mega franchise. But because it was successful and because I think it was at least mapped out, like this is where we can take things. And those things did start to come into play and they, they, they all fell in line in the right way. Then I, I guess you see like a real coherence to it all. But with this DC stuff and, and this is where I come to black Adam is like, this is the one where I think we see all of the results of that, I, I don't know, mismanagement, whatever you want to call it. It's just a film that it seems unnecessary. The character has no charisma, has no style, has, I mean, he's almost just like a blank slate. And for whatever the, uh, the character development is, I mean, it's so, it barely moves the needle. It's so just devoid of, of any real development any conflict any drama i mean it's there it's stated and and we're even shown like some of the motivations of it but our main character is essentially an anti-hero but also a hero or or neither i i, I don't know but then he's so dry and 
he just feels disconnected from any other film and and really he just feels disconnected from the world and i guess that's maybe part of the idea but it's not fun to watch it's not entertaining and uh i feel like this kind of character would make sense in a very different kind of movie but in this film with this kind of uh world that it's set in uh no it it just doesn't work and then you combine that character with a team of other characters that we've not been introduced to we have no real connection to we're supposed to be on their side even though they're the ones that are in conflict with the main character and so it's it's really hard to get behind the story, get involved with the story, to really engage when you don't know who you're supposed to be rooting for. I think at one point we're supposed to root for this team that Waller, Amanda Waller of all people, coming in from two other movies now and a TV show, we're supposed to root for the team that she assembles, but we don't know who these people are. And I think they're good, but... They don't even seem really competent as heroes, necessarily. Like all of their powers, their abilities, their skills, they don't really make a a very effective team, I think. It's like they were just chosen at random. And so then they're supposed to take on this character of Black Adam, who is, I guess, like a god, has the powers of a god. But how? Magic? I I don't know. There's so much about this film I either don't understand or don't care about. And that's that's unfortunate because I feel like there's a lot of work that went into the film. I mean, you can see there's a lot of uh there's a lot of craft, there's a lot of money on display in every frame, whether it's the visual effects, the production design, the the camera work, the music, the wardrobe, everything. You can tell like there's a lot that went into this film. And I feel like it was just willed into existence just because. And that's really not a reason to make a film, I think. I mean, make a film when you have something you really have to say or a point that you're trying to convey or an idea that is that that needs that kind of a big canvas, right? But here, I, I, I don't know what the real idea is. It, it's so either it, it's it's just bland and honestly kind of boring and i think if you look at it in the the overall context of everything that's out in terms of this genre these types of stories this is really i think an indicator of where things are going wrong because it's not just dc where this kind of problem happened i mean it happened with marvel too is their films started to become, or, or even when they branch out into TV shows now, they're just becoming the things to make just because. And some of them might connect to others, which helps at least with the fan experience of it all. But there are things that have yet to connect to anything. And so then it just feels like this is filler and it's just made to rake in cash. And I mean, the examples on the Marvel side are like the Eternals or Shang-Chi and 
I'm sure there are even stuff that's about to come out that I'm not really sure where we're going with it and what the point is and what is it even trying to say. So, you know, all that coming to Black Adam, this is really maybe the prime example of how uninteresting these films can be. So for me, that's definitely, uh, I mean, it's a pass and I have passed on it. This movie came out in 2022 and... I like some people in this film. I like Aldous Hodge. I like Pierce Brosnan still. Still very competent and very uh, charismatic actor. But they're all of everybody who's in this film, all their work, I feel like is just honestly kind of wasted. And that's unfortunate. I don't know. It's, it's at least an interesting case study if you want to look at it that way. I mean, it's this whole DC thing is basically being reinvented as we speak. Uh, but this, I think, was the real straw that broke the camel's back. So in that regard, uh, yeah, it's a pass. Definitely a pass. If you're curious, I guess, give it a shot. I tried to watch it once, and I got through about 15 minutes of it, and I was like, I, I'll do this another time. And I, I finally did try it a second time and made it through it, but it was not a great experience. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. Here we go. Film Streak 272, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. We are at war. We will annihilate everything. Champions of this realm can do nothing to stop us. You are very menacing. I just want you to know that. A lot has changed in the last few years. The wizard gave me superpowers. And then everybody got superpowers. Started from the bottom, now we're here. All right, here's the situation. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. The daughters of Atlas are coming to hunt us. Children stole the power of the gods. Ripped it from our father's core. Okay, I feel like maybe I should be writing all this down. Give us the powers, child. Your world will not survive this. You want these powers? Come get them! Hey, Khaleesi! Started from the bottom, now we're here. Alright. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. We have one job to do. Save the world. Billy! I don't know how we fight powers like this. I can't do this. Take my powers back. You gave them to me so you would take them back, right? I spent millennia searching for a worthy champion. You know exactly what must be done. Billy, what are you doing? I have to do this. We end this now. We do. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Okay, so look, here's a film by director David F. Sandberg. 
And we have Zach Levy returning as our main character, Shazam. We have all the all the cast, really, uh, that we saw at the end of the first film. And then we have all the kids, all the counterparts, the the actual, I guess, characters, Billy Batson and, and his adopted family. Um, they all return. And then we've got uh, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu and, and just a, a whole new cast of characters that are villains in this film. And, you know, the, the thing for me is watching this, I, I went into this remembering, uh, having fun or at least enjoying the first film, you know, Shazam from, uh, what was it now? 2018, I think, um, that I felt like it was a good experience and it was definitely a lighter take on the whole superhero thing, you know, coming out of all of these super serious and dark and brooding films that had come before it, this and Aquaman, at least those characters really try to take a different approach. I got to respect that. I got to respect them at least trying to kind of branch this thing out, give us a, a little bit of different light for this whole thing. And I think the first film really had some great moments of humor and didn't take itself so seriously, which was nice. In this film, I mean, it's still on that same path. It's still doing the thing. It's not feeling like it's influenced necessarily by any of the other films at this point. It does feel like a real direct sequel to the first film. But when you look at the context of where this film lays now in this whole DC thing, I even wonder what was the point of this film other than we're going back to get some more money. I mean, if you, if you want to look at just the story itself and the premise of it, I mean, this is a film about the same characters kind of doing the same thing. And even though Shazam, Billy Batson has gotten his bearings with his powers and this life of being a hero, but also still being a kid at heart, we're starting to see the other characters feel this out, all the other kids and how they use their powers and, and how they deal with that same night and day life that they have. When we have our villains come into the picture and they are, I guess there's a point to them. I mean, I feel like they're, here's where I mentioned Shazam with Black Adam. Cause I felt like, Oh, there's going to be a part here that's going to involve Black Adam somehow. Because they both have, I guess, similar or the same point of origin in some way. But that's not the villain here, and that's not even the whole context for this. There are other villains that are um, daughters of, what, Ares, I think? I feel like it's all kind of just, you know, gobbledygook. I mean, here's the thing for me. This film, as you experience it, it doesn't add up to a significant theme, like a, a thematic concept that is trying to give us. I don't feel like, I feel like the first one was really about youth and struggling with your identity and even struggling with your family or your sense of family or sense of belonging. All of those things were like front and center. They were prime material that that first film covered this one. I don't know. I I, I, maybe it's about like responsibility and being accountable. 
in some ways, I guess, but I don't know. This one, it, it, this is the film that I felt like it leaned way off into like typical, like YA territory, the approach to the characters, the light touch that it has with even its themes. And like I said, when you look at it in terms of, Oh, this came after black Adam and it came out amidst all of the changes that were going on with Warner brothers and DC um, you can kind of feel, or at least I, I feel as I'm watching it or understanding it, that this is a film that was just kind of, it, it, not necessarily rushed, but it was like, these are the remnants of whatever, whatever the idea was for DC and that whole thing up to a certain point. This, this is one of the leftovers, basically. Like, we're just putting this out there because we've already done it and finished it. And might as well try it because the first film worked. So, okay, let's just put it out there. But uh, I, I just feel like it, I don't know what this film was trying to do. So just like Black Adam, I, I feel like this was one that they just made it just because. I don't know. I just, I can't get behind that really. I, I, I don't feel like if, if, if there's not a point to making this film, why did we make it? And why do you expect me to watch it? This was really uh, one that I had to work myself up to watch also, just like Black Adam. I was like, I, I don't really have a, a vested interest in seeing this be good or not. I'm just seeing it because, hey, I can talk about it here. And I, look, honestly, maybe kind of warn any of you off. Like, it just don't, just steer clear. It's not going to matter. So... That's the thinking there. Um, it's a pass also. I'm, I'm fine with just enjoying the first film for what it was. And so, look, if Marvel has really set the bar for how to do this whole shared universe, storyline, multi-film thing, DC, obviously, they try to do the same. It uh, didn't work out the same way. And now it's kind of done. And there's really no going back to it. So, there's really no sense of why I need these films to matter to me. And that's unfortunate because, you know, so many people worked on this and they tried and they did the best they could with what they had or with the time that they had. And I mean, I just don't like to see people's work go to waste like that. All right, let's move to the next one here. Film streak 273, the flash. Thank you. Crashing you into Mr. Wayne. No, please don't. Um, I need you here now, Barry. So you're saying you could travel back in time? The Bruce. I can fix things. I can save people. I can save my mom. I can save your parents. You can also destroy everything. Love you, Bob. I love you too. So, how was it this week? How's school? School was good. Oh, shit. This is mad trippy. Dude, this is catastrophic. This world must die. No! Get away! 
I'm not gonna lose there again. It's not Clark. My name is Kara. I will help you. Interesting group. Want some help? Wait, he's Batman? You wanna get nuts? Let's get nuts. Oh, this rips! We're in uncharted territory. Batman, what do we do? We try not to die. Are you ready? Ready. Let's go. You have fancy friends. Yo, who's an Uber? Oh, exec. Now, what I just said about the previous two films from DC and Warner brothers and how they were kind of pointless and didn't really seem to say anything. I, I almost have to take it back <laughs> with this film. Uh, this is a brand new release. Might even still be in theaters. As you listen to this uh, director, Andy Muschietti and starring Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton spoilers. Sorry, Sasha Kaye. Um, this film has, I think, a lot to say. And it's not necessarily breaking new ground. There's some things we've already seen before and some things we've seen maybe over a century ago. But it's doing it in some kind of different and inventive and, and sometimes fun ways. So the reason I say I have to kind of take back the thing with DC is this film is trying. And, and not that the others didn't try, but this film is trying and it works. With Shazam and Black Adam, I feel like those movies were made just because and they were kind of dead ends. Where it seemed like they might have connected to something somewhere, but it obviously didn't and it never will. But here with The Flash, uh, it's not only possibly connecting to something else, it's connected to like everything. The issue with that though is not that it's connected to things that we've seen before, but it's connected to alternate versions of those things. And it's connected to a different past and a different future, which is great because it could set up a whole new approach to this thing for DC and just for these types of stories. The problem though, for me is that it really leans so hard into fan service and I, you know, I don't know if fan service is necessarily a bad word, but I feel like too much of it is bad because you're, you're just pandering. You're just giving people the things that they would want to see or dreamed about or, or wished for, but they may not always make sense or be relevant or be necessary. And in this film, it turns out most of the time for most of the film, it is kind of necessary to the plot, to the whole premise, which, which is good, which is, that's what works. And so that, in that respect, I guess the fan service is on point. When you have this character of the flash who we saw now way back in, was it, was it justice league? No, before that Batman versus Superman. I think that's when we first see the flash 
we see that character now develop to the point where we're able to see him interact with a younger version of himself. You see the difference there from younger Barry to a little more mature, a little more aged Barry. Uh, that's at least given us the right context for how this character has grown. But we're also going to get to see how much more they're going to grow throughout this story. Okay, good. Great. You're giving me something. You're giving me character development. You're giving me a little more arc now. That's that's good. On top of that, we're getting to catch up with a character we haven't seen in, what, oh, over 30 years. And Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. Which... That's totally the fan service part, but it works because it's not like we're seeing him just to see him. He's a crucial part of the plot here, and he's actually in a significant part of the film. I really thought when they first revealed that Michael Keaton was going to be in this film as Batman again, I thought, well, you're saying Batman, but you just mean Bruce Wayne. Like, is this going to be older Michael Keaton in a suit somewhere? And then they showed the trailer where it's actually him in the bat suit. Okay. But then when you see the film and he's like in a good part of the film and actually is crucial to making things happen. Okay. Now we've got not just a flash film. We've also got a Batman film really. And we also get Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman. And so now we're like treated to two Batman films in a way. And then on top of that, you give us, you don't give us Superman, but you give us Supergirl with Zod reappearing. And so we're revisiting these moments from the past films in a whole new way, in a, in a different context and with whole different outcomes. And that's where I feel like this film gets really inventive because it's not just showing us uh, things that we've already seen. We're not just doing flashbacks or whatever from alternate angles or alternate perspectives. You know, when we, when we saw that in Man of Steel with the, uh, was it the big uh, dubstep machine, the world engine? And uh, that whole thing plays out. But then we see it again in Batman versus Superman. We see it from Bruce Wayne's point of view. Yeah, that was an interesting touch of showing how these films are connected and how these characters are going to be connected. But that was actually really minor, right? And here we're seeing, again, we're going back to the same moment in time, but we're seeing it not through another character's perspective. We're seeing it in a whole different universe. So now we're really getting to see the idea of like, how would this play out differently? Like, how would that moment play out if The Flash was there? How would that moment play out if Supergirl was there? Or like, or would we even get to that moment? Did it get stopped early? So all those things are really inventive in terms of uh, showing us not only the possibilities, but the the different experiences that these characters are going to have to face and, and how they're going to be able to either correct it or live with it, right? And so when you add all of that together... On top of, on top of the story of Barry and his situation, dealing with his parents, dealing with his father in prison, his mother being killed, how he's coping with that, struggling with that. That right there is a film on its own. 
It really is. It, I mean, it really could have been like if you just made the Flash movie about that, uh, his storyline. That's a that's a powerful film. I think it's got the potential to be powerful. Put it that way. But here to roll all these other things in, I I gotta at least give credit there and and give props to the writing and the direction to make all of those things make them all work but also make them make sense because this is definitely a film that could get so out of hand and just uh get confusing and get frustrating and it doesn't i mean it does hold together and um i mean if you're a fan of michael keaton's batman this is definitely a win because you're not just seeing uh, that same character, you're seeing that character many years down the road and how things have changed for him and what it takes for him to be Batman and what links he's willing to go to. It's actually a really interesting moment in the film when uh, when we see what happens to that Batman. Now, all of those great things said, I, because I, I like the film, I like this much better than Shazam or Black Adam. But the problem with this film, if there's a problem, if you want to call it that, is that this feels like it got shortchanged. It it feels, I don't want to say rushed, but it feels like undercooked, you know? Like, look at the visual effects in this film and tell me they stand side by side with either Shazam, Fear of the Gods, or Black Adam. And they don't. There's some moments where it's pretty solid, but there's a lot of other moments where it, this, this ain't it, bro. This, this is not working. This looks fake, or it just looks bad. And you could say it's intentional. You could say that's the style you were going for, but I... Uh, I, I I can't, it, it takes me out of those moments and you never want that, right? I mean, if you're making a film, you want your audience, you want me to be totally in and following what's going on and not be distracted by why does this person look plastic? And so that's where I think this film, you know, aside from whether you like the character or not, aside from whether you want to support Ezra Miller and all the things he's dealing with in the real world and how that affects your movie going experience. Um, I understand that, you know, with what I said about the previous two films, this is a film that feels like it could still go somewhere. This one really feels like even with the whole new direction that DC is going to take now, this feels like, oh, this is possible to make this work still. Like those other two films, I, I think those are dead ends now. This one, it might also be a dead end. But I feel like you could either have The Flash going forward or you could have Supergirl going forward. Those two characters, they're strong characters. But, you know, I... Who knows what will happen going forward? I mean, there's still an Aquaman movie coming out and this Blue Beetle, which I honestly, it's like the film I feel like I should be the most excited about and I have like zero interest in. I mean, it's got a Latino superhero, the main character, the all the character, the cast, 
I, but it's a character I know nothing about, even less than Black Adam or even Shazam. So, I, you know, it's just, it's very messy. It's just so messy and so kind of confusing. I mean, even if you're paying attention to this stuff, all these films, it's confusing. If you're not, if you're just like have a very loose interest in comic book movies or superheroes or whatever, I don't know. Maybe you just think, oh, this is just how these films are. They seem like they're connected, but I guess they're not. Or you just don't even watch this type of film at all. Okay, good for you, probably, because it's just turning into a junkyard now. <laughs> so if you like The Flash as a character, you like the the themes that that story deals with, you might like this film. I feel like it at least gets you there. The problems are going to be where the visual effects come in, the experience of it all. Might You might find it a little uneven, uh, distracting, whatever. Um, there's even a few moments in the film where, I got to be honest, it was nice to see, but to think about it later, I don't really know if it was appropriate. And what I mean is there are some moments towards the end of the film where we see alternate versions of Batman. We see alternate versions of Superman. And they are essentially the the versions we've seen in the past. We see Christopher Reeve. We see George Reeves. We see Adam West. Um, and there's even a, a big shocker at the very end. I won't give that away. Although you probably have heard about it by now. But seeing those characters on film is one thing, right? Just seeing clips of them. Seeing them uh, digitally recreated is kind of troubling. I just, I don't know if I like it. I really don't know how to feel about it. Because on one hand, I get the homage part of it. We're going to pay tribute to all these films and these these characters that we liked before. But uh, just show me a clip. Just use the footage. Why do we got to recreate them? It's a little weird. It's a little creepy. So I would recommend this, really. I, I feel like a lot of people obviously did not see this film because it, I think, tanked. And I think it's probably more fatigue and, and confusion over what the hell is going on with DC and all these films. And people are just kind of done at this point. They're done trying to figure it out. But uh, this is the one that uh, at least has some quality to it. And it's got some points that are still... Uh, still relevant. They're still they're still working. See it if you like. If you're if you're at least curious about it, I, I would say at some point it'll probably show up on Max, and you'll be able to see it there if you have that service. But uh, this is one that at least gets points for for doing something and and working. All right, let's get to our next one here. Film Streak two seventy four, Spider Man. Across the Spider-Verse. My name's Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. He's gonna be here any minute. Should be simple enough. Give me your money. So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? Ha, Spider-Man! I am the spot. <laughs> it's not funny. Don't, don't do that. There's bubbles now. Hold on. Ah! 
I don't think I want this costume anymore. Oh, in a minute. I wrote it all as one word. That's cute, right? The youth. How's this going? Miles. Miles. Solid. What we always Miles's grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to Mira, kill that's impossible. Okay. I gotta go. All right, have Bye. Miles. When? Wanna get out of here? Welcome to Spider Society. I'm Spider-Man. Oh, no way. All of us are. O'Hara. He's like a ninja vampire Spider-Man, but a good guy. Plus, he's like such a good leader. Miles, there's moments in our stories that are the same for all of us. Some good. Did you bring our baby to another fight? I knew I was gonna regret making her that web shooter. He asked me not to, so I, I didn't. I wouldn't. Some bad. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. To me, that's an obvious choice. Send me home. I can't do that. I can do both! All stations, stop Spider-Man. You? You and me? Miles! Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. Can this day get weirder? I guess it can. There's nowhere to run. My bad, everybody. There was somewhere to run. All right. Now, I'm just going to say this film is a great film. The story, the, the, the animation style, the, the characters. I mean, all of this was just, just hitting. Everything was working. And I can't say I'm necessarily surprised because I did like the first film. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? And here, I was worried, like, when I heard that they were going to make a second one, a sequel to that film, I was worried that they weren't going to really be able to recreate that kind of magic. And it turns out they did. I mean, here we have not just the story of Miles Morales and his uh, discovering his powers or learning about this whole... Um, alternate universe and and the even just the concepts of that because i think we're now well aware of how that can work or how it at least works in these films you know marvel has done a, a pretty solid job of really like of reiterating this whole idea across different stories whether it's the first film spider-man into the spider-verse or whether it's uh, Spider-Man, uh, was it No Way Home? Or or even Doctor Strange, right? There's several attempts now to really make this point of like, there are alternate versions of these same characters. And they're going to be played by different people. They're going to be at different points in their lives. Here, we're, we're like past that now. We're not doing the educating on, okay, how does this work or whatever. Now we're seeing where all this can really go sideways, basically. And, uh, so I like the idea of like, okay, let's, let's really lean into this now. Let's really make this not only a, a plot point, but let's make this the whole setting for this film and yet still tie it back to everything that Miles has to deal with at home, right? His family, 
his situation with school, even the fact that he's still looking for Gwen Stacy. He's still thinking about her. He still draws pictures of her. Is you know, like that's where his mind is. That's the character that we were left with in the first film. And here we are seeing him deal with that and work through that on his own. Now, the funny thing is this film starts out with Gwen Stacy. Like it, it kind of starts like as her story. And, you know, playing these characters, we've got all the same voice actors coming back. Uh, Shamik Moore, Haley Stanfield, um, and some other voices that it took me a second. But once I realized who it was, I was like, whoa, okay, this is, they're bringing in big hitters here. Okay. Uh, we've got new characters in the mix. You know, we've got, um, we've actually got a lot of really dynamic, interesting characters to play with. And what's cool is this film doesn't hold back. This film really gives us, I mean, when the vulture shows up and he's a whole different animation style, art style, or when uh, Hobie comes into the picture, I, you know, we even get, uh, I don't know if I should say it. We even get uh, an appearance by a, a live action actor that we've seen in a previous film. And uh, all of those things, those moments they're they're showing like this, the filmmakers here, and I let me shout them out. The directors, uh, Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, Justin K. Thompson. Um, they're, they're all coming from the, I guess, the Lord and Miller camp um, because they really got a handle on not only how to use this style of filmmaking, the style of storytelling, but to really have fun with it. Give us what I feel like is just a truly amazing adventure. Like to just just to sit and watch it. I mean, if you don't know who, who's doing what for why, just to watch it, you're like, whoa, just blown away. And I think that's a real strength here is it just works on a visceral, visual level that uh, a lot of these other films, especially the live action films, really, they just can't match. And so um, I, I really appreciate that. Just like the 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 level of craft on display here is is top notch. And it's, it's inventive. It's distinct. Like there's no other film other than the first film. There's no other film you're going to see that looks like this. So that right there, that's high marks in my book, you know, um, as far as the story, you know, we're getting miles. He, he does eventually find Gwen Stacy or rather she finds him, I think. And we're introduced to a whole new villain who, you know, I don't know the background on the villain. I've never even heard of the villain before, Spot, uh, or The Spot. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't think it's really even clear, like, the whole uh, origin of it. I, it's kind of shown to us, but I, I almost don't care because it's just fun to watch. I mean, everything about the, the characters, the... Um, the energy they have or, or just the chemistry they all have with each other, it all just works and you just go with it because it's just fun. It's just entertaining. So here to me, like this, this is a film that's really, it's, I can't say it's better than I expected because I kind of expected it to be good based on the first one. Um, but I think it's got even more stuff to say, which I didn't know that that was necessarily in the cards here. Because I feel like we kind of got a lot of a lot of Miles Morales, a lot of his point of view, 
in the first film. But like I said, it smartly starts off with a different character. And we start with Gwen Stacy and we see her whole side of things. We see her family life, her home situation. And we see that she's kind of got the same thing she's struggling with. Like we do get to see these characters meet up again and we get the sense that this isn't like a, just a, a love interest type of thing. This isn't like a, a budding romantic uh, relationship for these characters. Like, I, I mean, I guess the potential is there and, and it, there's a layer of it there, but it is more about these two people just becoming friends. Like it's just a genuine friendship because they're dealing with the same kinds of things. And that's not clear in the first film. We're not really clear like who or where Gwen Stacy comes from. But when we get to see it here and we see, oh yeah, there's a real parallel to Miles and his situation. And we see these two bond over that in a really unique way. Uh, I I mean, that's a big leap forward. That's a, another big plot point and character beat that I didn't really expect to happen in this film. So that's all good stuff. I mean, this is all really solid work and solid themes that we're tackling in this film. And I mean, you add all the visual, the, the experience of it. Uh, I, it just works for me. It's really great. And now knowing now that there's a third movie, I'm really interested in what's going to happen there because this film is just like every one that we've seen so far. Now they're really pushing. I say pushing the envelope, but they're pushing their creativity. I mean, these things, I'm sure this, the animation, the, the storytelling, these aren't necessarily things that haven't been done before or techniques that haven't been used before, but they're using them in new ways. Right. And, and I think that's the key here is we're seeing some stuff in a new way that we've never seen and, and it's working, it's all lining up, it's all hitting in the right way. So I'm glad I got to see this in the theater. If you can see it in the theater, if it's still out as you're listening to this, go, go check it out on the big screen. It's a real, it's, it's just fun. So anyway, go do that. Go treat yourself. Go see in the theater. Okay. So, Hey, that was another episode. Thanks for listening. Like I said, some of these films, they're, uh, really discouraging and, and maybe disappointing, but, if you're into superheroes, maybe, you know, you have a, a better grasp of if these were successful in the, in the characters and the stories they were telling. Some of them I really don't have a, a deep knowledge on, but I can just tell you about the experience of watching the film and whether I thought, I don't know, whether it really kind of worked for me. But hey, if you feel different, if you feel like, uh, yeah, this is really, you missed a lot of stuff here. Okay, well, let me know. Tell me. Uh, it's just Send something to comments at filmstreak.com or you can go to filmstreak.com there and look up this episode. Leave me a note or a comment or whatever. And look, while you're there, you can also find other episodes. You can subscribe. You can listen with uh, you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can even get the episodes emailed to you when they come out. So all that's there. All that's uh, useful. Um, also useful is I have a list. I'm keeping a list of all of these films on IMDb, so I have a link to that. You can check that out. Use that to find the films and see if they're available or, or rate them, whatever you want to do. So anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking this out. And uh, hey, go watch something new.